you in God's house too. I wouldn't want to be standing up here preaching to an empty sanctuary. I do look out and see some empty seats and we need to pray some more people in on Wednesdays. Amen. So invite someone next time you come. The title of my message this evening is Al-Tirah or Fear Not. And I'm bringing this message because I feel, church, like the devil has been working overtime trying to burden God's people with fear. Uh, trying to overwhelm their lives with fear and trying to occupy their minds with worry. I believe he's trying to hold our faculties hostage with the wicked weapon that we would call fear church. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of all of our struggles, in the midst of all of our storms, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, in the midst of all the, the headaches and heartaches or the hostilities of life that surrounds us, God says, fear not, or al tirah, which is Hebrew, and it means be not afraid. In the midst of it all and all of the things that I just mentioned, God actually issues a command for us to Fear not and to be strong and courageous instead. Amen. Most of us should know that the greatest command that God ever gave was to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and with all of our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. But the truth is the most frequent and common command that given by God to his people is that of al Torah, or to be not afraid. And there's a good reason that he uses that command more than any other command in Scripture, and it's because fear has a way of paralyzing God's people. Fear has a way of confusing our moral landscape, and it has the power to move our moors as well. It's able to debilitate and destroy our mind and destroy our lives, church, and it's exactly why God says, fear not. Tonight, that's what I want to look at. And over the next few weeks, as long as God allows me to tarry on this or continue on this, that's what we're going to be looking at. The, the command to fear not and how we can fear not and why we shouldn't be fearful when all of these things are happening in our lives. In Isaiah 43, God speaks to Jacob, who has been given a great task and whom God senses the, the spirit of fear trying to rise up within his life. And he says to Jacob these words, you should all know them, fear not. He uses the word Al-Tirah there, for I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I have called you by name, child, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. And in verse 5, he once again says, so fear not, for I am with you. How many of you are glad God is Emmanuel? He is God with us. Amen. He's with us through the fire and he is with us through the flood. He's with us through our sickness. He's with us through the storms and through the struggles of life. He's with us through the, the dark times and the trying times of life. He's with us in every trial and every tribulation. He's with us in the midst of every trouble that we face. And in the midst of it all, he says, al tirah, or fear not, or be not afraid. And it's the same command that he's speaking to us this evening, and it's the word that I want us to examine as well. Fear not. Amen. So before we go any further, as always, that's the foundation. But let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time, and then we'll get into the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here this evening. I thank you for the time of worship we had, Father God. We're able to express our gratitude and our love and our affection for you. I thank you that in the songs we sang, Father God, we heard about you being our overcomer and you being with us, Father God, and no one being higher and no one being greater. And I thank you that that's whose midst we're in this evening, Father God. We're in the midst of the Most High God. 
We've come into your presence, Father God, and I thank you that you've invited us this evening to come and sit with you and sup with you and dine with you. So I pray that you would help us to make the most of that opportunity this evening. As always, I pray that you would come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, every disruption, Father God, so that we might receive your words with gladness. As always, we ask for your anointing, the anointing to fall upon me and to fall upon your people, God, for us to come under your complete control this evening, Father God, that we would receive everything that you have for us. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we thank you that you're here in Jesus name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. As as we all well know, today's headlines are filled with horrible news day after day. All you got to do is turn on the news. All you got to do is turn on the local channels or the, the, the international news and you'll find out that every day. We hear bad news about terrorists or ISIS or Ebola or other viruses that have some fancy name that I can't even pronounce. We hear all about economic woes and natural disasters and political unrest all across the world. We hear about nuclear threats and how how Israel is about to be overtaken. Every day we're inundated with bad news that has the power to bring debilitating fear into our lives or into our minds or into our hearts, church. And the, the, the reality is that the, the bad news doesn't just stop with the national headlines either. Our own personal eyes can be filled with troubling headlines as well. Our own personal lives can be filled with bad news from the doctor or the fact that our son or daughter is caught up in a mess or in trouble Bad news concerning our finances or our spouse that says I want out or a boss that says I'm sorry, but I have to let you go. And our life, even even personally, church, is filled with bad news headlines seemingly every single day. And all of it can lead us to despair. All of it can overwhelm us. All of it has the potential and the power to overtake us, to discourage us or to depress us, Lord, or to bring us a, a despondency upon our life. All of it has the power to overtake us with fear. And it's in those times, it's in the times of worry, it's in the times of doubt, it's in the times of despair, despondency, that God speaks his most common command, which is all tirah or fear not. Two words that have the power to still the storm that might be raging in our life or raging in our mind or raging in our finances or raging in our marriages. How many of you know that a storm can rage in almost every area of our life? You see, you might be having a storm in one area while the person sitting next to you is having a storm in another area of, of our life. But this same command and these same words apply to whatever time of difficulty you might be going through. And God says in the midst of it all, fear not. There are two words that have the power, church, to still whatever storm might be taking place. And it's the words that he wants to speak to his people this evening. Fear not. The context of my message is taken from the 75. There's over 75 times where God speaks these very words to his precious people and he tells them to fear not or he tells them to uh, not to fear or he tells them to be not afraid. Because how many of you know fear is not from God? Amen. The word of God tells me that God has not given us this spirit of fear. But rather, he's given us the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. Amen. Not a tormented mind, not a tortured mind, not a distracted mind, but a sound mind. And the first thing that I want us to understand is that fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit that doesn't come from God. Fear is a spirit according to the word of God that tries to operate in our lives and tries to take a a, a, create a stronghold in our lives and tries to overtake our lives. Some of you have been there. Some of you have experienced the kind of fear that I'm talking about. It actually has the ability to debilitate your your very being and your very life. And once it takes root and once it finds a place in your life. 
it tends to overtake every area of your life. It's a spirit that wages war against God's people. But the word of God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. You see, the reality is the spirit of fear should not be operating in our lives as children of God and as people of God. The spirit that should be operating in our lives is the spirit of love and the the spirit of power, a dunamis power that God has granted to us who have been filled with his spirit and the the power of the spirit of a sound mind. One of the first things we have to understand about fear is that it is designed, church, to destabilize our mind. It's where fear tries to settle in first. And, and fear's number one goal is to destabilize our mind. Our, our mind is the control center of our life. And the devil understands that if he can release the spirit of fear into our life, and if he can captivate the control center of our life, being our mind, then he can destabilize our entire life. You see, fear is designed to bring our mind to that place where it's incapable of functioning or even surviving under the pressure that fear can bring upon us. I don't know about you, but there's been a couple times in my life where I have been destabilized by fear. Where it's tried to take a stronghold and it's tried to control my mind and it tried to usurp the authority of God and the power of God and the anointing of God in my life. But that's what fear is designed to do. Fear can actually fracture our mental capacities and capabilities and bring instability into our entire life. Give you an example of how fear operates. In the same way, an earthly enemy sets out to destabilize a government. You see, the way that the, the, the way that an enemy will overthrow or overtake a, a, a country or a government is by destabilizing that government. If you want to take over a country, go destabilize its government. You can step right in and overtake it. But the same thing applies to fear, church. The devil does the same thing. He tries to destabilize our minds or our thought or the thought process that governs our life and governs our actions and governs our decisions through the spirit of fear. You see, I want you to understand that every one of us, our mind, church, is that is that our thought process is what governs our life. Our thought process is what governs the words that we speak and it governs the things that we do and it governs the decisions that we make and and the choices that we make in life. Our mind is this control center that governs everything that operates in and through our lives. So in the same way that the enemy sets out to destabilize the government, so does the enemy try to come in and destabilize your thought process, church, through this spirit. Spirit of fear. Fear is the devil's mightiest weapon, and he uses it to overthrow the government of God in our lives. And I don't want to get too teachy, but I want to teach you tonight so you understand what the devil is doing and you can understand how to overcome it. The devil's mightiest weapon is fear, and he uses it to overthrow the government of God in our lives. How many of you know that this is the government of God? This is the government of God that we should have established in our lives. We know that this is the promises of God. This is the will of God. This is the statutes of God and the standards of God. It's every word that God spoke. It is the government of God. I don't know if you realize it or not, but every promise God spoke is part of his established government. It is the government, the rule, the will that he has established in our life. And listen to me, the the number one thing that the devil wants to do is overthrow and destabilize the government of God in your life. He wants to overthrow the promises of God in your life. He wants to overthrow the will of God in your life. He wants to overthrow the, the good things of God, the statutes of God and the standards of God in your life. This is what he wants to overthrow. When you hear me use the word government of God, this is what I'm referring to. 
to. I'm referring to the promises of God and the will of God and the word of God and the thoughts of God and the words of God. This is all the government of God. And that's what fear tries to do. It tries to destabilize the government of God in your life because he knows that if he can destabilize this government, that he can come in and establish his own government and then he can rule and reign in your thoughts and he can rule and reign in your hearts and he can rule and reign in your marriage or rule and reign in your finances. So this is the first thing that he attacks. Now, let me segue and say that if you don't have this in your life, he's already ruling in your life. If you don't have this government established in your life, the devil's already ruling in your life. You got to have the government of God established in your life, church. If you don't have this in your life, you're living under the wrong rule. And you're living according to the wrong government, which would be the government of the flesh or the government of darkness. But I'm laying all that as a foundation so you understand what fear's uh, operative goal is. And it is to overtake us, church, and to destabilize or overthrow the government of God in our lives. And it's exactly why God so often issues the command for his people to fear not. To not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, church, because when fear goes unconfronted, when fear goes unconfronted in your life, it's able to establish a stronghold. And from that stronghold, it will branch out and destroy every area of your life, church. What do you think Goliath did in the Valley of Elah? He caused the army of God, read it, church, to be petrified by fear. For 40 days and 40 nights, fear affected their reason. I'm not going to preach it. Read it yourself. It affected the reason, church. It affected them in ways that they would have otherwise not functioned. Fear shut them down, the Bible says. They couldn't sleep at night. They couldn't operate properly. They were afraid to go to bed and they were afraid to wake up. The Bible says they were petrified and sorely afraid because of the spirit of fear that made its way into their life and established a stronghold in their life. Fear controlled their thoughts and it controlled their actions, church. Fear theoretically and literally governed their thoughts and it governed their lives and it governed their movements and it dictated what they did and and didn't do. You see, I want you to understand that fear has the power and the ability to dictate everything you do and don't do. There's some people will go through their entire life afraid to do things. There's individuals that make decisions based on fear instead of faith. Well, I won't do this because I'm afraid this might happen. Or I won't go there because I'm afraid this might happen. And they do things based on fear rather than by faith, church. And as God's children, we should never be governed by fear. We should be governed by faith and by the word of God and by the promises of God. But there's far too many people in the house of God who are governed by the spirit of fear. And it dictates the words that they speak. It dictates their their confession. It makes them feel small. They speak small and they they live small and they think small because they are controlled or governed by the spirit of fear. When you read this story about David and Goliath and the army of God, you understand that fear dictated what they did and what they didn't do. They didn't march out to victory. They didn't march out to to defeat the enemy until David showed up. And I'll get there in a second. But fear dictated or governed the entire army of God. Understand this. This was an army that had never lost a fight. This is an army that was mighty and powerful and led by God. And they had the ark of God and the and the presence of God with them. But fear dictated everything they did and didn't do. They trembled. The Bible says it governed their thoughts, church, for 40 days and night. Fear controlled their camp. I want you to understand that fear can control your camp. Fear can control your household. I know this isn't a jump and stop and shout kind of service, but I want to teach us something because I believe the devil is working overtime to keep God's people from moving forward and gaining the promise that God has for them. Amen. For 40 days and nights, fear controlled their camp instead of faith, church, until David 
who had his mind on things above showed up. The entire camp was in disarray. The entire camp was being governed by fear until a ruddy little boy named David who showed up in the spirit of power and showed up in the spirit of a sound mind and showed up with the spirit of faith rose up and confronted the enemy church. They were controlled or governed by fear until someone with the spirit of uh, of power and the, the spirit of a sound mind and who was filled with faith rose up against the stronghold of fear that had been established there in the Valley of Elah and he demolished the enemy church. How many of you know that fear is a stronghold? It's a stronghold. Fear is something that isn't easily overcome. Fear is something that shows up and isn't easily overcome. It's not easily scared away. It's not easily defeated. It shows up. It's patient. It's persistent. And it will stay there and it'll wear at you. And it, it tries to find a place in your life, however insignificant and small it might be. And it digs itself and sets itself and establishes itself in your life. You should know what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a place where the enemy comes in and once he's there and once he digs in and once he digs a bunker, then he then then everything that it does moves from that stronghold. And it's exactly what fear does. Shows up, it digs in, tries to settle itself in your mind. And when it finds a place in your mind, when it establishes a stronghold in your mind, it funnels out and filters out to every single area of your life. When fear finds and grabs, a, establishes a stronghold in your mind, it will destroy every area of your life. That's what a stronghold is. And unless we, like David, rise up with a greater spirit, church, unless we rise up with this spirit that God has given us, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but I have given you a spirit of love and a spirit of power and a spirit of a sound mind. If we don't rise up in that greater spirit, then I want us to understand that fear will overtake us. I don't want us to be depressed by bad news. I want us to be encouraged by the fact that God has given us a greater spirit, church, that God has given us weapons and God has given us tools and God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Amen. He has, like we sang, he overcame. And because he overcame, we are overcomers. And it's in that where we have to live and move and breathe, church, so that when the spirit of fear shows up, we have to rise up like David did. And we have to use the name of God and we have to use the name of Jehovah. And he actually said, you come against me with the spirit of fear, but I come against you. You in the mighty name of Jehovah. And guess what he did? He didn't sit down and have dinner with Goliath. He didn't sit down and he, he cut off his head. He didn't play with it. He slayed him, but he also went and cut off his head. And it's exactly what we have to do when the spirit of fear shows up in our life. We have to slay it and we have to cut off its head. Not in our own power, because it's not by my might and not by my power, the Bible says, but by my spirit, by the spirit of power that he has given us. It's what we have to do, church. Fear is a stronghold and we have to overcome it, church. Fear's whole goal is to destabilize and overthrow again the government of God over a life, which again is the word of God. And it's exactly why God issues the command, like I said, to al tirah. So that God's government can stand in our life. He issues this command, Al-Tirah, or be not afraid, so that, so that God's peace can continue to rule and reign in our life. How many of you know that, like I said, this is full with promises and it tells me that he can give us a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that's able to guard our minds and guard our hearts, church. And and so the reason that God issues this command to be not afraid is so that we so that his government of peace can continue to rule and reign in your life. 
So peace can continue to rule and reign in your marriage or peace can continue to rule and reign in your in your family or in your finances or in your workplace. He he tells us to be not afraid so that the the rule and reign of his joy can continue in our life or so that that so that his love can continue to rule and reign in our life. Please understand, those are all the things God wants to have ruling and reigning in our life. He wants his peace to rule and reign in your life. He wants his joy to rule and reign in your life. He wants his his love to rule and reign in your life. He wants Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness. He wants all of that to rule and reign in your life. He wants his promises to be yes and amen, to rule and reign in your life. And the only way that that can rule, the only way that his government can rule and reign in our lives, church, is by making sure that the that the that his government is not overthrown by the spirit of fear. Church, listen. When fear sets into our lives and fear tries to create a stronghold in your life, when fear comes against you and fear comes against me, what are the first few things that tend to disappear? Peace. Joy. Love, hope. All of those things tend to disappear when when fear establishes a stronghold in our life. And it's exactly why God speaks the command, fear not, because he wants his government to remain established in your life and in my life, church. Fear comes for one reason. It's to overthrow our mind, It's to overthrow our mind. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul tells the church that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. You know it. But divine. They're able to demolish strongholds and bring into obedience every thought that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God or the Word of God or the power of God in our life. We have the power through the divine weapons to bring into obedience every thought that tries to cause you to think contrary to the Word of God or the government of God in our life, church. What we have to realize and understand is that fear comes to usurp, to overrule or override or overthrow the government of God in our life. And when it does, we have to overthrow it like David did. When we sense fear coming into our life, when we sense the spirit of fear trying to operate in our life, we cannot give it room to roam. We cannot give it room to to overtake or gain any ground. And we need to rise up in the spirit that God has granted to us. And we need to overcome that spirit instead. Amen. When mental fear tries to raise itself above the rule of God's peace or over the, the rule and reign of God's joy or over the rule and reign of God's love, like I said, or over the, the, the spirit of a sound mind, we have to bring all of those thoughts into obedience immediately. We cannot allow those thoughts to continue to roam. We cannot allow the enemy to dig any deeper. As soon as we sense the spirit of fear operating in our life in the name of Jesus, I speak against that spirit of fear and I exercise the spirit of power that has been given to me by God. And I exercise and call on the spirit of a sound mind for you to arrest my mind and take control and authority over my mind so that the devil and fear and the spirit of fear cannot establish a stronghold in my life. That's exactly what we have to do. Amen. Because all fear wants to do, it wants to overthrow our mind, church. And when that thought comes, we have to bring it into obedience or it will destabilize us and overtake us. The truth is, if the devil can get our minds to be governed by fear instead of by faith, he's already defeated us. If he can get fear to control our decisions and fear to control our doings and fear to con, uh, control the, the conversations or the utterances of our lips, church, he, he wins the fight. If the spirit of fear is allowed any authority in our lives, then 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 he'll bring uh, instability, church, into our lives. And then eventually he will overtake us. But like I said, I'll say it again. 
But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but rather He has given us the spirit of power. And we need to use that power over the enemy just like David did. Amen? What was it Jesus said? He said, I've given you authority over every unclean spirit. And I hope you know fear is an unclean spirit. God didn't give it to you. And if God didn't give it to you, it's unclean. Any spirit that does not come from God, it's considered unclean, church. And God said, Jesus said, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. It's an unclean spirit. And what we have to do, church, is we have to exercise the spirit of power that God has given us. And we need to overcome it. We need to we need to bring it into subjection. We need for it to come into obedience to another authority. Amen. Please understand me. When you exercise that authority, it has to obey. Do you understand that and realize that? The devil knows that it has to obey the real authority of God. It has to bow to God. And when we begin to exercise that real, true power that God has granted to us, and we rise up and we begin to use that power, that spirit of power, then it must obey, the Bible tells me. And it will flee. But far too often that fear is so great and the grip is so strong that we can't even cry out like we need to cry out. It's why as soon as we sense it, we need to stop and say, in the name of Jesus, we need to call on a greater power. We need to call on our God church. Remember, David said, yea, that I walk through the valley of this shadow of death. I will fear not. I will fear no evil, he said. Why? Because thou art with me. He said, because you are with me, I will not fear because you are with me, God, like you were with me when I killed a lion. You're with me now, David said, as he was ready to march off and have to slay Goliath. You see, he recalled the goodness of God. He he called on the power of God. He remembered the, the, the good things of God. He set his mind on the right things instead of the wrong things. And he said, just like you were with me. When I killed a lion, you're going to be with me now. Just like you were with me when I killed a bear, you're going to be with me now. You see, the reality is when you're faced with a a fearful situation, you've got to recall the goodness of God in your life. You've got to set your mind on things above. You've got to set your mind on previous victories. You've got to set your mind on the cross. You've got to set your mind on the promises of God and the government of God. When you set your mind on things above... How many of you know this is the highest place you can set your mind? It's right here in the Word of God. And the reason so many people are defeated is because they're setting their mind down here and not in here. You can call on God all you want, and I hope you do, but if you're not setting your mind on His Word and on His promise and on His power and on His revelation and on His truth and on His victory, this is His victory right here. Set your mind on things above. This is what He's talking about. He's not just talking about gazing up into heaven, setting your mind on heaven, 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 hoping heaven will one day come. He's talking about setting your mind on things above, which is the Word of God. Not on things below, because when we set our thoughts on things below, we are overtaken by them, church. We're overtaken by fear. So he said, set your mind on things above. Listen, David didn't allow fear to overtake him because he knew God was with him, church. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will I will alter because you are with me, David said. Which takes me back to our opening text when God said, when you walk through the waters, I will be there. When you go through the rivers, I will be there. When you find yourself in the fire, guess what? I will be there. You find yourself in the midst of flames. Guess who's going to be there? I will be there. When you go through the storm, I'll be there. When you go through the sickness, I'll be there, too. When you go through your struggle, when you go through the sadness, when you go through the sorrow, when you go through the surgery, when you go through the divorce, when you go through the loss, when you go through the trial, when you go through the tribulation, God is saying, Alterah, fear not because I am with you, church. 
And the sad reality is far too often when we find ourselves in these storms, we fail to realize that God is with us. We fail to, to, to remember the fact that, that God is with us, that He will never leave us and that He will never forsake us. We have to understand that wherever we find ourselves tonight, we have to fear not because we understand that God is with us, church. How many of you are glad God is with us in the midst of bad news? Amen? He is, like I said in the beginning, He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And that thought, that thought of God ever being with us should be the governing thought in our lives. It should be the the governing thought that God is always with me. Every single day when we walk out into to this world, one of the governing thoughts that we should have is that God is with me. That no matter what comes my way, God is with me. That no matter what difficulties I might face, God is with me. Even though I, lo- I, I, I dislike my boss and it's a horrible place for me to be right now, God is with me. I got a doctor's appointment, but God is with me. I got to go for surgery, but God is with me. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Fear not, God said, for I am with you. I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. God is with me. And if God is with me like we sang, who can stand against me? Amen. And that's exactly why God is issuing this command to fear not, because if God is with me, who can stand against me? If God is for me, who can stop me? And that's what we have to understand and realize every day that it, in all reality, if we would understand this church, it's one of the, it should be one of the easiest commands for us to obey, to fear not. Why? Because God is with me. Because Elohim is with me. Because El Shaddai is with me. Because Jehovah Shalom is with me. Because Jehovah Nissi is with me. Because Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals me, is with me. Because Jehovah Jireh, my provider, he's with me. Be not afraid, because I am with you, God said. Amen. A famous preacher once said, Fear is putting question marks where God put periods. It's putting question marks behind his promises where exclamation marks belong instead. But that's what fear does, church. It causes us to put question marks behind every promise. It causes us to question God, church. Does God really love me? Is God really with me? Does God really care? Is He really an ever-present help in a time of trouble? Did God really say that? Am I really saved? Does He really care? And fear begins to destabilize our mind, church. And a stronghold is then established. And then we begin to see our entire life deteriorate and be overcome by the, by the enemy, church, instead of by the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Why do you think Paul said in Colossians, as I begin to wind this down, we're a quarter after. Paul said in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, like I said earlier, and not on things below. Set your mind on things above and not on things below, because whatever our mind is set on is what governs us, church. You realize that, that whatever your mind or our mind is set on is what governs us. If our mind is set on things above, guess what governs us? If our mind is set on the promises of God, guess what governs us in the middle of trial and in the middle of hellish situations? If, if, if we've got our mind set on the promises of God in the midst of whatever trial and tribulation you're going through, guess who's in charge? God is. When you find yourself in the midst of a, of a horrible situation, church, and you have your mind set on the Word of God and the promises of God and the goodness of God, guess what governs us? But if we have our mind set on things below, if we always have our mind set on this sickness, guess what governs us? If we have our mind always set on the lack... Guess what governs us and controls us and rules us? If we have our mind set on, let's say, the, the lust of the flesh, guess what governs us? 
the lust of the flesh. If you have your mind set on the things that are considered the pride of life, guess what governs you? Pride does. If you have your mind set on sadness and sorrow and deep despair, guess what governs you? Sadness and sorrow and deep despair. When you have your mind set on things below, the things below will rule you and reign over you and they will govern you. And it's exactly why God said, set your mind on things above, because how you think or or what you think or what you have your mind set on is the very thing that governs you, church. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. If I think about the things of God, guess what I'm going to be like? The things of God, character of God, power of God, the anointing of God. If all of all I ever think of is sadness and sorrow, guess what I'm going to be? A man of sadness and sorrow. If all I ever think about is pornography and naked ladies, guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a perverted old man. If all I ever think about is alcohol and drugs and booze, guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be an addict. But when I set my mind, the control center of my being, when I set my mind on things above church, then the things below have no control and no power over me. And it's exactly why God issues these commands into our life, church, so that we can walk in the authority and the power that God has given us, church. We set our mind on things above. We are governed by the things of God. The reality is, and the question is, as I begin to close this, and if we have music, they can come. If not, I'm just going to finish. The question is, what governs us? What controls our thoughts? What controls our decisions? What controls our confessions and the words that come? Listen, there is there is there is a government that controls the words that come out of your mouth. Oh, man, I can't. Rumbling and the complaining and the woe is me. Guess what government's behind that? It's not God's. It's the government below. But when when I have my mind set on things above in the government of God, it changes the way that I speak. It changes my profession and it changes my confession and it allows me to say, like Brother Sammy did, when I'm in the midst of a situation and a struggle, there is therefore no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. And if God is for me, no one can stand against me. And I'll overcome by the the blood of the Lamb and by the the word of my testimony. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. If I'm governed by his promises, it shows up in my speech and in my confession, church. And one of the biggest problems we have as Christians is that this government isn't confessed in our life. We're not loosing its power into our life. Every time we grumble, every time we complain, every time we woe is me, we strengthen the wrong government over our life. But if on the way to work we begin to sing praises, in the middle of situations and circumstances we begin to thank God and we begin to confess His, His, His promises and we begin to release His government out of our mouth, guess what happens to the spirit of fear? And guess what happens to the spirit of lust? And guess what happens to the spirit of anger? And guess what happens to the spirit of greed and the spirit of pride? It begins to tremble. Because it is recognizing a greater authority than itself. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do, the one of the greatest ways for us to fear not is to release the government of God from our lips and establish a greater government over that foul spirit of fear that would try to overtake us, church. Amen? You don't seem excited tonight. And I'm not, I don't ever look for response. You know what I look for? I look for life change. I look for somebody to come up to me a month from now or three months from now or a year later and say, you know what? I thank God for that word you spoke because it's changed me. 
And I know it's a different word for me, but I thank God for it. And I hope that we receive something from it, church. See, one of the the sad realities is, is far too often, including me, we allow fear to destabilize our thoughts and destabilize our lives. Far too often, fear governs us and controls us like Goliath controlled the army of God. But when it does, when it raises itself above the government of God, knowledge of God, promise of God, all of that, church, that I talked about, we have to use the divine weapons of our warfare and come against it. Amen. We've got to cut off its ugly head. We have to rebuke it and take control over it. And this is what I close with. In Isaiah 43:1, God says this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, fear not. This is what the Lord says. The one who created you, the one who formed you, fear not. And all I want us to get from this and all I want us to see from this is that God is making sure Jacob knows who's talking to him. God is making sure that Jacob understands who's telling him to fear not, church. He wants Jacob to understand who's issuing this command to Al-Tirah, to be not afraid. Jacob, the one who created you, says, fear not. Jacob, the one who formed you, is saying, fear not. Jacob, the one who knit you in your mother's womb, is telling you to be not afraid. Jacob, the one who ordered your days before you took a single breath, it's he who is saying, fear not. And he's the one that's saying, fear not to us tonight as well. The one who created you. The one who fashioned you and formed you. The one who knit you together in complete darkness, the Bible says, even while you were in your mother's womb, before you took a single breath. He's the one that ordered your days. It's he who is saying, fear not. It's not me. You see, look, it's one thing for me to tell you not to fear. It's one thing for the pastor or for your friend or your spouse or someone else to tell you to fear not. But it's a whole nother world when the king of kings and the Lord of lords When Jehovah Shalom, when El Shaddai, when Elohim, and I can go on and on, when God himself, when when mighty God says, fear not. Why? Because I'm with you. Because I'm with you. How many of you glad God's with you? Amen. Stand to your feet because here's how we're closing. He's with you. That should excite us and that should give us hope. Last words is this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Look at all of that. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not fear, for I am your God. I'm your... He's speaking this to Jacob. I could keep going, but I've got to keep it short. I am your God, Jacob. I'm not just Abraham's God. I'm not just your father's Isaac's God. I'm your God. Fear not because I'm your God. And God is saying the same thing to you tonight. Guess what? He's your God. He's not just my God. He's your God. He's your God. He's your personal God. And he's saying, fear not. You see, the reality is there's a lot of individuals that go through life not understanding that he's their God. Well, that's my daddy's God. And that's the preacher's God. And that's, you know, that's someone else's God. But here he's saying, fear not because I'm with you. Fear not because I'm your God. Fear not because I will strengthen you. Fear not because I will help you. Fear not because I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We've got a lot of reasons not to fear. Amen. Got a lot of reasons not to fear. And if we could just understand the reality of that, 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 that our God is so much greater than the spirit of fear. If we could just understand that our God, our personal God, the one that loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, the one who lavished his love upon us, that we would be called the sons and daughters of God. He's our God. 
And if we would just understand that He's the one that is saying, fear not, it would change our lives, church. How many of you don't want to fear any longer? I don't want to be afraid any longer. I don't know what it, what it might be. I just I don't want to be afraid any longer. If we could just grasp that truth and the understanding that he's with us and he's our God, he will strengthen us. He will help us and he will uphold us with his strong right hand to give us reason not to fear. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, that you have given us a command, but not only have you given us the command to fear not, you've given us a reason to fear not. You've given us everything we need, Father, to be able to be strong and to be courageous in the midst of whatever life might bring our way, no matter what the devil might try to bring our way. I thank you, Father God, that you are with us. That you are Emmanuel, God with us, church, not God far away from us, not not God separated from us any longer. But you are God with us now because of the work of your son, Jesus Christ. We once were separated from you. But now, Father God, we're united with you and and you are God with us, church. I thank you that you were with us tonight. I thank you that you're with us through the fire and through the flood, through the trials and the tribulation, that you're with us through the sickness and through the sufferings, and you're with us through the loss and the the times of difficulties, Father God. I thank you that you've given us a reason not to be afraid, to not be overcome by fear. Father, I pray that you would help us to exercise the spirit of fear power that you have granted to each and every one of us. You've given us authority over every unclean spirit. So we speak against the spirit of fear that has tried to establish a stronghold in our lives, God. We speak the name of Jesus over the spirit of fear and we rebuke it, Father God. It's not by my might. It's not by my power, but it's by your spirit, the spirit of power. You've given us the ability to speak against this unclean spirit of fear. And we do that this evening, God. Pray that you would give us freedom. Pray that you would give us victory. He would help us to walk by faith and not by fear that we would be governed by you, Father. Governed by your word, governed by your promises, governed by your spirit, not governed by things below, but that we would be governed, God, by things above. Help us to always have our minds set on things above where your son, Jesus Christ, is seated right now at your right hand. Help us to have our minds set on your word and the promises of your word and the power of your word, God. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, I pray. Guide us to victory, Father, through this week. I thank you that we are more than conquerors, that we are victors That we are overcomers, Father God, because your son overcame. I thank you for it. I thank you for the word that you've given to me for tonight and and the words that you give me for the next few weeks dealing with fear, God, and why we do not need to be afraid. Thank you that you are our God and that you are with us. And I pray tonight, God, that as we go, that you would continue to walk with us and talk with us. Continue to be a hedge about us, Father, that you would keep us safe in all of our travels and our journeys, Father God, that you would prosper us, that you would give us favor, covering, protection, provision, all of those good things that we need, God. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said one more time. Amen. Can we just bless him once more for his word, church? Amen. Remember, as you go, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Amen. Just praise him as you go in Jesus name. You have a special.